Wow, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So right now, we're going to have the kids released to their perspective places. Jim's going to take the middle schoolers that way. Jane's going to take the next step down that way. And I think my wife's over here with the little ones. I think that's where Abel's going. Abel, you in grandma's class today, honey? I love you so much. Papa loves you. He's so awesome. And Zeke, Zeke, oh, you're going that way, aren't you? Are you going that way? Okay. Hey, my grandkids, I, I love them so much. It's like, yeah, give them a hand, give all the kids a hand. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are my first and my last. You're my alpha and my omega. You are my beginning and my ending and everything in between. Lord Jesus, you are my all in all. You're the king of my heart. You're the Lord of my life. You're the savior of my soul. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. You are my all in all. You are my provision. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sorry, I had to start with that. Not sorry. Turn, will you, to Matthew, the 18th chapter. I'm going to talk about a subject. That uh, is going to be relatable for everyone in this room. I guarantee you. Uh, it's not a subject sometimes we want to address, except in one way. We'll get to that. And today we're going to talk about how much does forgiveness cost? And how much does unforgiveness cost? We're going to talk about both things. Because they both have a cost. They both cost but different ways. So we're going to start in uh, the 21st verse. Leading into that verse 21, before that, we see that Jesus teaches how we deal with a brother or sister who's sinning in the church. And so the way you deal with it, you first time you go to them, one-on-one, if they don't respond, you take another person. If they don't respond still, then you bring them to the elders, and if then, then you tell it to church. So it's, it's, it, it seems pretty harsh, pretty severe, but it really is. Most people respond the first time, but he's talking about sin that's going to affect a life, somebody's life, and ultimately the church. But we're not going to talk about that today. That's not where I'm going with this. I just want you to understand why Peter is about to ask Jesus a question. So, I'm looking, I've got, I'm just going to answer, I'm going to try, I asked some questions as I read this. this. That's what I do when I read the Bible, I ask questions. Why? Why? Why that? Why this? Why? I want to know, and I ask the Lord, Lord, why, why that? Why? For instance, Peter is sitting there listening to Jesus. And if you know anything about Peter, you know he's always trying to 
He's trying to, I'm really the guy. I'm the man. I will lay my life down for you. Yeah, really, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times. That's what Jesus says to him. And Peter's always like just stepping up, and he wants to look good to Jesus. Don't we all? So Peter says this to Jesus. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Watch what he says. Up to seven times? Now, that's my first question. Why did Jesus, why did Peter say up to seven times? Why? Why seven? We're going to talk about Thank you, Karen, for the numerology lesson. I've got some numbers too. <laughs> why did Peter say seven times? So understand the rabbinical Jewish law in that day was actually about three times. Now, there's some discrepancy in all that, but I'm just throwing it out there. About three times. So, this is what Peter, Peter takes three, doubles it to six, and adds one. Plus, the seven is the number of completion, the number of perfection. So, Peter steps up and said, up to seven times? He's feeling pretty good. No, really, he's thinking, yeah, don't you guys wish you would have thought that, talking to his buddies. Jesus says, no, not seven times, actually 70 times seven. Can I just make a little note? Um, I think the NIV uh, unfortunately translated that as 77 times. That's not right. Believe me, I looked into it and studied it in the Greek and in the, in the linear year. I, I did a lot of study on that number. What Jesus said was 70 times 7, which is a little bit different than 77 times. 77 times is a lot. And even if we were to forgive someone 77 times, that's more than we usually make it to. Amen? No, but Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. That's 490. How many knew I was that good of a mathematician? 490 times. Jesus says, not seven, 70 times seven. Why? Why did they use those numbers? This is why. The number seven in Scripture is the number of perfection, the number of completeness. The number 490 is completeness, perfection, infinity. That, if you look it up, that's what, I'm not big on getting into numbers and what they are, no, but I will tell you 490 times that had significance, not only because it's a lot more than 77 or 7, but because it's perfection, infinity. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about forgiveness. How many times should I forgive my brother? 490 times for the same offense. So that's my first couple of questions was just, uh, why did uh, Peter say seven times? And why did Jesus use the number 70 type seven? That's, what I, I, that's why I think, I don't think it was an accident. I don't think Jesus think it's sitting there and going, oh, I, you know, I, let me think, good number 70. No, that, there, was, there was an intent on that. 
couple weeks ago, I talked about what a parable is and why Jesus taught in parables. And the reason that Jesus taught in parables is that you would press in and you would only try to find out what he's talking about if you really cared. So now he's going to give a parable to make a spiritual point. Jesus says in the 23rd verse, says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. It's like, this is kingdom of heaven, like a certain king, who went to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his masters commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all they had so that a payment could be made. So here's my next question. Well, not yet. First of all, let's understand just how much 10,000 talents is. 10,000 talents. That's not $10,000. It took 20 years in that day and age at minimum wage. And I actually, I did the math on this too, and I figured out how much is 10,000 talents right now? But it took 20 years to earn one talent. 20 years to earn one talent. 10,000 talents? I guess you'd have to live 200,000 years to make that much money. So what he owes that master in today's money is 14600100 How many got, you got $14 billion spare change? But understand, he's not talking about money. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about forgiving others. He's talking about how much it cost. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how much the master, how big a debt the master forgave right there. When we were younger in our, our marriage, my wife and I, we've never had a lot of money. I'm doing better now than I'm retired than I've ever done in my life. And God's really blessed us financially. I'm not rich, but I'm God. I have had more than I've ever had. I'm so thankful. I give all the glory to the Lord. But when we were younger, we didn't have much. And I remember my mother-in-law and father-in-law Ma and Pa Storm, two of the greatest godly people you'd ever want to meet in your life, had compassion on my wife and I. And we owed them a significant amount of money. We borrowed $10,000 from them. Yep. How many think that's a lot of money? And we were working at it, and they didn't charge us any interest or anything. We are just trying to pay it down. And we got to a certain point, and I don't forget how much it was, but it was a lot. Because we didn't have very much. My mother-in-law and father-in-law told us, forget it. You don't owe us anything else. 
They forgave us like $7,000. You understand? I was like, whoa! $7,000. And I didn't have to, I didn't owe that anymore. They just forgave it. They didn't ask us for anything. We didn't have to make up anything. They just forgave $7,000. Now, we could have paid that back in time. But it was, <laughs> it would have taken a while. Now, watch what the servant does, and I want to ask the first question. Now, master says, he comes to him, and he says, you owe me 10,000 talents. I want it. Or I'm going to put all of you, your whole family and everything you have, I'm putting you in jail. I'm going to put you in prison. The unmerciful servant gets down on his knees, looked up at the masters, and says this, have patience with me. And I will repay everything I owe you. Let me say that again. How long did I say it would take for them to pay that, for that guy to pay that back? 200,000 years. He gets down, he says, have patience with me and I'll repay everything I owe. Scripture says the master looked on the servant and had compassion. He had compassion. I love that. See, because when Jesus looks at us, he has compassion. He has compassion. But I'm still wondering, my question is, why in the world would this unmerciful servant promise to pay the debt? He can't do it. You guys, you, you see how impossible it is for him to repay that kind of money? 200,000 years worth of work. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's not payable. Why? Why would he do that? Well, I can only think of four reasons. You might be able to think of one. One is he's just desperate. He's just desperate. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll, just get me out of this. I'll do it. You ever been that way with the Lord? God, just bail me out of this. I'll do anything you want me to. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Whatever. Whatever kind of deal making you want to make. Another reason is uh, he was a scam artist, but I don't think I'd be wanting to scam the master. But that's a possibility. The other possibility is he's hoping he can just close his eyes and all go away. You ever been in a difficult situation and you just close your eyes? Oh, just make this all go away. No. Just disappear. How, 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 can you relate to that? Just make it all go away. But I'm going to tell you what I think the most likely reason is. I don't know this for a fact, but just knowing and seeing the situation. That servant had no idea how in debt he was. He had no comprehension of what that master had just forgiven him. He could not comprehend the debt he owed. And the master just forgave it. Some of you sitting in this room today 
might not understand how much you owe. You might not understand how much you've been forgiven. The debt that Jesus has forgiven us, our debt of sin, our debt of missing the mark, is beyond our comprehension sometimes. We don't understand how much we've been forgiven. Some of you have a hard time grasping you are forgiven. Let me tell you today, you are forgiven if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that God raised him from the dead, and that his blood, his sacrifice on the cross covered every sin you ever had. Listen, God has forgiven you. Whatever it is, some of you sitting here feeling like you failed 14,000 million times. That's me. That's, that's my number. I always use 14,000 million. But God forgave every sin. And I stand before him now as a redeemed man, as a forgiven child. He forgave me so much. The other possibility is you don't think you've done that many things wrong. I don't know if there's anybody in here like that today, but let me just say, I hope you don't think that. <laughs> I really do. I think sometimes until we realize how much we've been forgiven, we're not very likely to really forgive others. So I'm praying that we realize today how much God has forgiven us. By his grace, by his mercy, there's not one thing you did or I did or anybody else ever did to earn the grace and the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. None of us ever He is our righteousness. He is our redeemer. So the master forgives debt of the unmerciful servant. And then the unmerciful servant goes out right after that. And he owes all, he's been forgiven this huge, huge, huge debt. And he goes right out. And he finds a guy who owes him a hundred denarii. That's what it says. So the unmerciful, the guy who just got forgiven all that he was forgiven, 14 billion, whatever it is, forgiven all that, goes right out. He finds a person who owes him what amounts to three months' wages. A denarii was about three months' wages. It, was a, it would amount to about $6,000. That's what it is. Now, let me just say to you that that's not insignificant. How many could use $6,000 right now? Anybody? Yeah. So I'm not saying this, it's not insignificant. The amount that was owed to this unmerciful servant was significant. But not as significant as 10,000 talents. It paled in comparison. So the 
unmerciful servant goes, puts his, his hands around the guy's neck, says, I want you to pay me every penny right now. Put, oh, come on. Oh. Pay me now. I want my money now. Now, why would he do that? He just got forgiven all that he had. Why in the world would he go to somebody else that owed him way less than what he just got? For? Why would he do that? I ask, I, I'm telling you, I ask these questions all the time. Why, why in the world is he doing that? We'll get to the rest of it, but I can tell you why I think. I think his focus is in the wrong place. He's looking at the 6,000. I want my 6,000. I want my 6,000. I want my 6,000. I want you to pay me back. Pay me back. Pay me back. That's what unforgiveness does. We want to get paid back. You wronged me, now pay me back. You wronged me by doing this, 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 and that, and the other. Same thing. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's why I think that he was demanding his pay. His focus was so much on the $6,000 that he wanted, because he wanted to get paid back, that he lost sight of all he had been forgiven The servant that he goes to to get his $6,000 says this. Have patience with me and I will repay all that I owe you. Does that sound familiar? Aren't those the exact words the unmerciful servant used with a master? Aren't they? Yeah. Have patience with me and I will repay all. The difference is this. That person actually could have repaid $6,000. Could have happened. But instead, what happened was the unmerciful servant had this servant thrown into prison. Here's the thing. If he's in prison, he can't repay him. He throws the guy into prison and puts him in a place where he could never repay him. What? Does that make any sense? For $6,000. And yet that other, that he had been forgiven $14,600,000. Hmm. I'm going to get back to that and why, how I believe that applies to us in just a minute. The other servants saw what he did and they were really unhappy about it, rightfully so. So they go to the master and say, hey, the guy you just forgave 10,000 ta talents, he went and demanded 6,000, he put the guy in jail. You see how the master responded. He wasn't too happy about that. You can understand that, right? So the master comes to that unmerciful servant and said, you wicked, awful, person. I, I don't think he says that, but he said, you, what you did was wrong. And he then throws him into prison. So now the two people are in prison. The servant who owed 6,000 and the unmerciful are now in prison until they can repay the debt. There's people in my life, 
that I put in prison. Not in a visible prison, but I put him in the prison of my mind. And as long as I have them in that prison, some of you have put people in the prison of your mind. They can never repay what they owe you because you won't let them. And even if they could repay you, it doesn't honor God to make them repay you. I was a youth pastor at Open Bible Church, and I got in trouble. I mean, it wasn't severe. I mean, I got in trouble because I used a church van to take a deer I shot to the meat place. Another time, I came walking in, and I was swinging a racket, a tennis racket. It was one of those wood ones that had the, like, the, the frame things on it, and I'm like swinging it like that, saying, hey, I'm cool, you know, and pretty soon the frame thing came flying off, and it, it missed Nancy Thomas's mom's head by about that much. You know, I'd probably be in prison now if that one. <laughs> so I did stupid things, guys, I'm just telling you. I didn't mean to, it was just comes natural so there was a meeting of the elders and they called me in and they had this laundry list of everything I had done wrong Man, I said, wait a minute, I'm trying to love these kids, I'm trying to serve them, I'm, I'm giving my life for these kids, I'm just, and this, you know, I got all mad, and then I thought, I know who made that list, and I thought it was Nancy Thomas's dad, who was one of the elders, and I got mad at him, and I said, yeah, I'll show you, I'm not going to talk to you. I'd see him in a hall and I'd put my head up and walk by. Oh man, I was going to get him. In my mind, I'd see myself talking to him, give him the what for. You ever been mad at somebody and in your mind you have this discussion, you win everyone? That's what I was doing. And then I found out well, first of all, I just kind of, I did come to a point where I just, even if he did, I can learn from it. So I, in my heart, forgave him, and I started acting differently toward him. About a year later, I found out it wasn't him that made the list. It was another guy who I thought was my good friend. Yeah, my friend, all right, has a knife stabbed in my back. So anyway, but I, you know, that's Okay. Because the issue here isn't what somebody did or didn't do. The issue is how do I respond to that? Do I look at the 6,000 or I do I behold the 14 billion? What do I do? I was raised by, I told you this before, I was raised by a stepdad who physically and verbally abused me pretty much all my young life. Uh, what he did to me, he would now be arrested for. Man, people say mean things about him. 
Long ago, though, I, God showed me that so that I would not, I would not hold a grudge. I would not be unforgiving towards him. And I've told the story about how God had me go and take care of him while my mom was in the hospital from a terrible accident that he caused. And uh, she lived. But I got these days where I got to go back and forth, back and forth from Silverton to OHSU. And during that time, I got to connect with him. A few years later, and we talked about some pretty deep and incredible stuff. And he knew that I loved him and I forgave him. A few years after that, a guy who I thought would never was so hard, was so <laughs> mean. The dude was mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> Believed on Jesus just before he died. And he got saved. What does me and you forgiving someone else, what does that do to them? It frees them. We can certainly choose to watch the 6,000 and have be focused on that. Or we can choose to be focused on the 14 billion and spend our time giving God thanks for all he's forgiven us and release them. I'm going to end with this. So the master has... The unmerciful servant thrown into prison until he could repay everything he owes. Wow. We just already said he could never repay that. How does he repay it? How do we repay people? who we have unforgiveness for. Some of them are dead. Some of you have people who have died and you have unforgiveness in your heart. How do we forgive people who have really hurt us? How does that happen? See, what happens is we put the others in the prison of our mind, and it tortures us. The scripture says there, he threw him into prison, and there would be weeping and gnashing. I don't it said weeping and utter despair. So once that happens, how do we get out of prison? Because some of us have done that. Some of us have unforgiveness in our hearts towards other people, and you are in prison, folks. You're in the prison of emotion. You're in the prison of unforgiveness. And you're going to stay there until you do one thing. And if you do it, you'll be free. So it just depends on how much you want to be free. Until you forgive and release them from your judgment, you'll stay in prison. That's how it works. Until you 
release them from your judgment. What does forgiveness look like? Does that mean you're going to go be bosom buddies and all close and all, uh, why everything hunky? Not necessarily. Hopefully that's what will happen. But initially you just need to say, I forgive them and I release them from my judgment. Not only do that, I'm going to pray for them. I pray God will bless them. I pray God will move in their lives. I pray God will use them. I pray God will, will, will bless their family. That's when you know you have forgiveness in your heart, when you can really pray that sincerely. I'm not telling you to go right now, but I do know I learned something from my pastor on communication. You can go up, ask God, how can you be glorified? How can I forgive? You can go in, and it's good to go in because we can see if we have a plank in our own eye when we're too, unless we're too busy trying to rue the speck in somebody else. So you go up, you go in, and at some point, it's my prayer, you'll be able to go to The ultimate is to be able to go with. Go up, go in, go to, go with. Close your eyes with me, will you? I don't know details on any of you. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a great opportunity for those of you who have unforgiveness in your heart, right now, right where you're at, to release those people from your judgment. I pray that God will set you free today. I pray that God will set you free out of your prison. Remember first how much you've been forgiven. Rejoice in that. And right now, I encourage you to go up. Lord, work in my heart. Help me to forgive. Help me to release others from my judgment. Not only release them, but pray for them. You are so good, Jesus. I can never repay what you gave me. I can never repay all you've forgiven me. I can only receive it. I have a sister. Lives in California. She's, um, she's not real. You know, mentally there's some things going on. She lived for years with utter hatred in her heart for her husband. They've been separated for a while, but she absolutely hated her husband for all that he had done. I think last week, she called me. She was in tears. She's crying. I couldn't even understand her. She blubbered on. She gave me a three-minute message on my voicemail. Anyway, I called her back, and what had happened is she had come to a point in her life where she forgave my brother-in-law completely and even told him that she loved him. She said, Mikey, I feel so free. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. 
I am so thankful. Forgive. Forgive. Amen. We're done.